BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Staying Home with Wit. If you guys follow me on all my other social media platforms, you have probably seen that Timmy and I have been spending a lot of our quarantine time reacting to the city and to the hills. You can check out our episodes on Wednesdays and Fridays. We usually premiere them around noon on YouTube, which means that you can actually join us live and chat with us while it airs. It's really fun. Timmy gets on there. He's super fun, joking around, giving inside info. Anyways, prior to watching The Hills, like I said, we binged the whole series of The City, which was my spinoff show, and it was crazy. One of my favorite people that I met while filming that show was Josie. Josie is the sweetest guy and new dad. He is an internationally acclaimed TV producer, host, and style expert and fashion industry veteran. Joe's impressive resume features leadership roles at mega fashion publications, including creative director of Elle magazine and editor-in-chief and executive creative officer at Yahoo Style. Joe is simply the best. He's super funny. I trust his opinion on so much. It was such an awesome experience to be able to ride along this journey with him. And we thought it would be so fun just to chat with him and hear his take on everything and how he handled everything and how he got involved. So he's the best. I hope you enjoy our convo. Here is Joe. Welcome. Thank you for having me, I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Just to start, talk about how you and Elle were approached for the show. Was it Adam who came up to you? Did you get a phone call? Like, how does it work? There was sort of a middle person that sort of brokered it all. Do you remember in first season, you guys were actually working for Diane von Furstenberg? Right. And a really good friend of mine was in charge of all of the publicity and communications there, a leak. Of course. And she said, you know what? Will you come down to the studio today? I, I think you need to meet Adam, who's doing the show for us with, with Whitney and Olivia, who's working here. And I was like, how come? And she's like, I don't know. Just come by today. And I did, and I met him really quickly. And he's like, oh, hey, will will you come to this party or this thing and just film a quick scene with us? And I was like, okay. 
And we did it. And I remember it was one of those interesting things where it's like, oh, just come to the party and we'll just film you at the party. But it wasn't quite like that. It was like, come to the back door and get mic'd and walk through the back door, like, for the first time, but a couple times. And <laughs> so I was like, oh, I love reality. <laughs> <laughs> but then afterwards, and I remember we went back to the fire escape where there was maybe, I'm not kidding, a good a half a dozen people crammed into a fire escape with headphones on, a little video camera thing like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then they were like, you know what? We should talk about maybe the girls can come to L or I, I think Olivia should work at L. It would be so great. I was like, sure. He said to me, he was like, do you think anyone up at L would be really good for this? I was like, oh, you have to, have to, have to meet Erin Kaplan, who heads up our PR. She is a take no prisoners girl who just says it like it is. I love her because she's a straight shooter and exactly what you're looking for. He's like, all right. And then he came up to L and he put a lot of people on camera and a lot of people on tape, including Aaron. But of course, he went back to Aaron and then that's sort of the beginning of it all. But it took a minute. But, you know, and then season two started with all of a sudden Olivia has a new job and she's at L. Was there any part of the PR team and Aaron that were like, maybe this isn't a good idea for press reasons because it was a reality show? Or were you guys like, this is a really great opportunity? Oh, no, everybody was terrified. Everybody was apprehensive, I think, probably except me. And I think definitely, and I love Aaron, but you know, and you can see in the show that Aaron is someone who really thinks everything through. Mm -hmm. And I'm really more like, yeah, let's just give it a try. Let's just have fun. She's like, wait, but what about this and this and this? I'm like, we're overthinking it. Let's just have fun. <laughs> That's what I'm kind of like too. And she's like, no, but what about this? I'm like, mm, who cares? And of course, it took time to convince a lot of different people. But you know, I, I think Robbie Myers, you saw within the show, and she really was behind it too. And I think they understood the value of putting L in a show so that it can have exposure to a whole new group of people. And which is even really more interesting is halfway through the season two, when every, and you know, people were doing recaps and there was so much like, you know, negativity around it, but I think really only negativity because people were sort of really breaking down what reality was. And they realized that there was also so much brand awareness for L that there was a whole group of people out there who had never heard of L until they watched the city. And, you know, being in a bubble, we're like, other people didn't know what L was? How come? Mm -hmm. And it was such an interesting thing. So it was really an eye-opening exercise for a lot of people that a different medium and a different platform brought a lot of business to something that people thought was already super successful. Did you know Olivia prior to this? I think I probably had met her casually or socially in the world of fashion, but no, not really at all. I think probably I met her for real for the first time at DVF that day, doing a fake entrance five or six times, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> what do you think about her style? Like, do you think that even though, you know, the show gave her the job, that she brought some value to the magazine? I mean, she was probably the best fake employee I've ever had. I mean, she, she, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she had cute style, but let's face it, she wasn't really there a lot, <laughs> so it didn't really matter. She was definitely cute. She was very cute and she had good style for her, you know, and I think that's different than working in fashion. When you're very good at styling yourself, it isn't always something that translates out of that. But I think she definitely had value for sure on some level. 
Yeah, she like was always put together and was a good visual representation of the magazine. There was one time where I was at your office for something and you let me borrow a pair of shoes for an event I had to go to. And then I don't know whether you told me I could keep them or I just kept them, but I still have them. And even though they're the most uncomfortable shoes ever, I'll never give them away ever. They're like, should I go get them? Do you have them? Yeah. Oh my God, I do have them. I got a CD. Yeah, I'll show you. Oh my gosh, I probably got a bill for that last yeah, year. I, I guess it's been 12 years, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> They're Giuseppe Zanotti. Oh my gosh. <laughs> They're so high, so uncomfortable. I probably wore them once, but I will never get rid of them. They're kind of like back in style like a little bling. bit. Oh yeah, they're so blingy and so like 12 years ago weren't they? I know. I, I remember <laughs> being in the closet and thinking like, I'm just going to pull the most blingiest, sparkliest, most expensive looking thing I can find. And this is what I thought was the most expensive thing I could find. And then meanwhile, I'm like, oh, just keep it. I'll blame the girls. Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> And now a word from our sponsor. You guys have heard me talking about peanut before, and that is because it really is so truly amazing. It is sincerely my honor to be able to talk about it and highlight it. As a mom, I know the intricacies and complications that can arise from being a mom, the emotional ones, the physical ones. There is just so much and it's so confusing. And like I was saying last week, this time right now is so isolating. It's crazy. Like it's isolating whether you're a mom or not. Imagine being a mom or wanting to be a mom or having issues with becoming a mom anything that you need to complain about or learn about, it is extremely isolating because there's not really many options or people to turn to. You can turn to your doctor, but you're not going to like sit on the phone and chat away with her. You know, you really want someone who you bounce ideas off of. So Peanut provides a safe space for mothers, expectant mothers, and those trying to conceive to build friendships, ask questions, and find support. It introduces you to women nearby who are at a similar stage in your life. So whether you are trying to understand IVF or adoption, pregnancy, first years with the baby or nursery and beyond, Peanut is a place to connect with women like you. I remember really struggling at the beginning. I took Sunny to a baby class and it was a lovely baby class and the women were amazing, but the drive was stressful and it was like kind of a huge production for what it was. And I remember thinking, God, I wish that I could do this somehow like virtually or from the comfort of my own home. And now that I've heard about Peanut, I wish it was available. And I know that if I were to get pregnant again, that it is something that I would definitely use. Download the app for free today or head to peanut.app.link slash with wit or find it on your app store. Find the peanut app and download it for free today. Check it out, guys. Hey, guys, it's Gabby from What's Gabby Cooking. And seeing as how we've all got a little extra time on our hands at home, um, hello, social distancing, let's get down to business in the kitchen. Come hang every Monday while we talk about all things food and I answer your burning questions about cooking, ingredients, swaps, tips and tricks, etc. I'm also going to be highlighting super rad small businesses and we're going to be learning about other incredible makers in the food world. And who even knows what else? Anything's fair game in 2020, right? What's Gabby cooking in the wild? Here we come. And now back to our chat. Aaron and Olivia worked closely together. And obviously mm -hmm. Aaron was really frustrated by Olivia's work a lot of the time. 
and that kind of put you in the middle. At least to the viewers, it felt like you were in the middle. Were you in the middle? And if so, how did you kind of manage that? Yeah, I think I was definitely in the middle. I think when this was airing at its peak, I got so much shit from people everywhere I went. And they literally, I mean, people wanted me to be Devil Wears Prada. And I just wasn't. And it was just like, it was that world. It's like, they wanted me to come in there and be this raging asshole and slam them down. And I was like, but what's the point? And like, is it kind of fun to sort of be able to let people be who they can be? And maybe my strategy was if I straddled the middle, it allowed both of them work it out on their own like and I always felt like I was like their dad I was like yeah certainly I can send one to their room and punish them but I can also say hmm you know what I like this and I don't like this but you two work it out and then I just walk out and let them star and I think that frustrated so many people and people would be like why aren't you just telling her off why aren't you firing her I'm like because that would be fun that's not fun <laughs> that would be part like of the scripted version of the show, but I think it was really refreshing to see you as a face of fashion that wasn't that person because we had just come off of Kelly Catrone, who is very much that like, tell like like it is, very harsh, you know? And so I think that you led a really good example to show people that the fashion industry like doesn't have to be as cutthroat or competitive or mean as people think it is or as like movies portray it out to be. Well, I think the show was like a little bit accentuated version of that, but I've always been that person. Like I love coming in and speaking to someone. So like if it's you or whoever that worked for me and being like, oh, this is what you do. I'm going to encourage you to do the best version of what you can do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll fail. And that's the best part of working because you learn from that failure if -hmm. you're good at what you do. I always encourage that. And I think maybe there was part of that real life for me with these girls. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I can give you advice and I can maybe show you, I can maybe encourage you. But if I'm going to throw something at you and scream at you, what is the point of that? Right. And really, like you said, Kelly was so good at that. Like, I'm not going to top Kelly on that part. But like, that also was never me. So like, if I just picked up a book and threw it at Olivia across the room and then fired her, it I mean, sense. Yeah. not interesting. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that's because you're from Toronto? <laughs> Oh, that's definitely the Canadian in me. Because <laughs> I'm always like, well, you're right and you're right. I'm going to leave the room now and let you two fight it out. Yeah. See you next week. <laughs> oh, the neutral party. <laughs> always. And then I'm saying, I'm sorry about that. Erin's <laughs> always been very incredibly passionate about what she does. And she takes everything she does very seriously. Mm-hmm. So I think Olivia was sort of that wrench she does not need in her professional life. And mm-hmm. I think that's why that relationship worked well on camera. I think that's a good point. I mean, she, I know. she seemed to have genuine, not anger, but like she was really upset at Olivia because she took her job so seriously. I think her feelings were genuinely real. I mean, I think when you invest so much in mm-hmm. what you do for a living and then you have someone coming and going and sort of like throwing in distractions, it's really hard. It's like if you have to swim a mile, but you have to throw in some sharks along the way, it's like, why? It's hard enough as it is. I don't really also want to dodge the shark. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's sort of really where it comes from. It's really that dedicated investment that she had for like really wanting to like excel at her job. I mean, she was probably the youngest PR director that they've ever had at L. And she's really, you know, she was a one man band and she was sort of really like doing such an incredible job. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, here's a girl that can come to work in cute shorts and a vest, mm-hmm. but really just sit in front of me and be like, hey, can you pick up that phone? And yeah. like, she's like, I'm not down with that. 
And now a word from our sponsor. So Aura Digital Frames is such a cute gift idea. If you guys are struggling right now with what to get your in-laws or grandparents or parents or aunts and uncles or whatever, Aura Digital Frames are so cute. They're beautifully designed Wi-Fi frames that connect people around the world through a delightfully simple photo sharing experience. You get free unlimited storage and you can send endless photos straight from your phone to the frame. So I'm definitely getting one for my mom and dad-in-law because they want to see every single picture, like no picture, no videos, too boring for them. So This is such a cute idea. You never run out of space. You can actually invite the entire family to join. So even if you're scattered across the globe, you can stay connected through shared memories on your Aura frame. The frames are so beautiful. They're living room worthy. They really are the ultimate gift. And they're super setup friendly. So even family and friends that are not the most technologically savvy, this would work for them. You can even add photos ahead of time and surprise someone special with personalized memories that will appear on the frame like magic, which is a super cute idea. Not to mention the super high res auto brightness adjusting display means your photos always look their best. Also, for those of you who are not technologically savvy, if you're giving to someone that's not so savvy in that area, it really is so easy. No memory cards are required, which is something that always kind of confuses me. And the Aura app is compatible with iOS and Android. So I love this idea. I think it's such a great gift idea. And it's a way for us to all feel a little bit closer to each other in a time when we're all kind of feeling very scattered and lonely. So with the holidays right around the corner, what better way to show someone you care than giving the gift of memories year round? And for a limited time, Aura is offering WithWit podcast listeners 15% off their purchase with the code WITHWIT. That's AuraFrames.com to learn more. And to get 15% off your purchase, use the code WITHWIT. And now back to our chat. The show sort of ended in kind of a strange way. Like, there was no real ending. What did you think of the way the show ended? And then how did you find out that it wasn't like coming back? Oh, uh, you'll have to remind me how it ended. I do remember it ending weird, but I just don't remember how it ended. There's a meeting at the end with Joe in a conference room. Oh, wait, and was Louise Rowe in there? Yes, and it was between Louise and Olivia to become like the face of L.com, and Olivia ends up getting it, right? And, And you, kind of in a savage way, you had them both in the conference room, and you were like, it's Olivia. Yeah. You're like, get out of here, Louise. Oh, that was like our little apprentice moment. Exactly. (laughs) So that's how it ended. And I think that was confusing because people were like, after all of this, why would you become the face of (laughs) L.com? And it was, all will be explained next season. Womp, womp. (laughs) Exactly. It was like a non-ending ending. ending. When someone pitches you that storyline, like I imagine it was probably like Bill or Spike. Was there pushback in those meetings? Because I wasn't in those meetings for the most part, but like pushback where you're like, ah. that's not going to be a good look for us. Like, yeah, Olivia's terrible at like hosting L.com videos. Um, to be quite honest, listen, I love storytelling. And to me, like the city became storytelling in a very meta way. So I was like, oh, this is such interesting storytelling. I mean, listen, to say it wasn't a good look for us, we were way too many episodes in for anything to be not a good look for us anymore. I mean, the <laughs> fact that the girl was there eight episodes earlier was already not a good look. I mean, I had people stopping me on the street back then to be like, why haven't you fired her? <laughs> I'm like, you know how TV shows work? 
Right. Do you understand how TV shows That I have no control. (laughs) But also, if I fired her, what are you watching? Right. Right. (laughs) What you love is her being there. (laughs) Or if you fire her, then that's, they'll just follow Olivia at some other job and then Elle doesn't get the exposure anymore. But also, tension at L was what made it interesting. So she'll right. go to a job where she is fine. The reality is like, yes. Yeah, so not being a good look for us, we're past that. So at this point, it was like, let's just have fun and let's just do it. And I think it was a little bit of that. I think mm-hmm. in the end, you can be so short-sighted, and I can only say this now 12 years later, but you can be so short-sighted at the time you're being like, oh my God, this is so bad for us. Everybody hates us and all this stuff. But it really was just so much attention and press for Elle. And yeah. the end, it raised people's interest and intrigue about what the magazine was and what was happening behind the scenes. And I think it's not like that anymore. There's not really anything like that anymore because it was also like early days of social media. So you didn't know a lot of things that were going on. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's sort of what was interesting. So yeah, I mean, I think that definitely the producers pitched to me to be like, let's have a meeting. And then I think you know that like no one sat there and be like, this is the season finale cliffhanger. It was sort of like, let's just do it. And I think once it's all done, you sort of piece all the stories together to be like, totally. well, what's really good to sort of hang on? And I think they realized that that was sort of an interesting, like, ta-da! Yeah. Yeah, because they did that a lot. Like, the moment where you reveal, like, which Fergie cover it was, and you get Aaron saying she really wants this one, and it's not the one that Olivia pulled for, whatever. And, like, that moment is great TV. And mm-hmm. I, I think the people stopping you on the street to be like, how come you haven't fired Olivia? Like, those are fans of the show. Like, the fans of Elle, the magazine, like, buy the magazine, they open it up, and they're like, this is great, and it's on the cutting edge of fashion, and so yeah. you, you can kind of control both narratives. That's I, true. I think you did it better than anyone. I mean, protected Elle and protected the show, which yeah. weren't always, sometimes those two things were at odds. Yeah, that was always the hardest part. Oh, I totally agree. But I think if the show was interesting, it was only going to be better for Elle. Totally. Do you know what I mean? The storyline at Elle was interesting. It was better for Elle, the brand. And I think it was a hard thing for people to see in the immediate moment because in the immediate moment, you're just hearing criticism from people saying like, oh my God, I can't believe that girl works there. But they say that, but they're glued to the set watching it, waiting for next week's episode because that 22 minutes was so exciting to them that they were so mad or it made them feel a certain way. It's like, then that is the sign of an incredibly good show because right. it made you feel something where you gave a damn and you didn't just click the TV off and go about your world. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm mad. Mm-hmm. I want this. I want that. Why is that girl doing this? And you know what? Now I have to give Adam so much credit for it because he created a world that everybody cared about, mm-hmm. whether they belonged in it or understood it. And I think that's really what we did there. So I just saw it as storytelling in a way. So for me, yeah, I, I would prefer people didn't scream at me on the street to be like, fire the bitch. But like, who cares? <laughs> so you guys have heard me talk about Usual Wines a couple times now, and that's because they're so amazing. I hear Timmy walking in right now. Everyone say, hey, Timmy. Hey, hey, podcast universe. Hey, I'm talking about Usual Wines. Oh, they're usually the best. Usually. 
Always. Let me tell you something. This will actually make you happy, Timmy, is that every bottle is only 6.3 ounces. So that's like a heavy pour or about a glass and a half of wine. So there's no more pouring the wine down the sink when you don't want to finish the bottle. And you know, waddle, bottle. And you know how I always have like a half drank bottle in the fridge and then it goes bad. So because of this single serve format and bottle design, it's always fresh. Something also notable, especially at this time, because we're eating a lot. Um, this wine is specifically low carb and actually has zero grams of sugar. And I know you're probably thinking like, well, grapes have sugar. So what does that even mean? So here's the deal. All usual wines are produced using natural, sustainable grapes harvested every fall. And these grapes are picked at optimal ripeness to ensure that all sugar will be fermented completely until the wines are dry. So there's no residual sugar. So all that's left is basically this delicious, clean wine. And the process of fermentation happens when natural yeasts eat the naturally occurring sugar in the grapes. In goes sugar, out comes alcohol. Now, some winemakers will purposefully end fermentation early to keep keep a little sugar in the wine. Usual wines are fermented until no more sugars are in the wine. And this ensures the wines are as dry as possible, which is my personal favorite. Anything dry and light and lower in calories. They have a super special holiday product out right now. It's called the Usual Reserve. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon from Mount Vidir. This is actually, in my opinion, their most special wine yet. It's from one of the most celebrated plots of land in all of Napa, and it's concentrated and rich and just really exactly what you need with your holiday dinner. Gift it to someone special or keep it for yourself. The holidays as usual. Go check out their website at www.usualwines.com and use my discount code with wit for $8 off your first order and try your first glass on us. That's www.usualwines.com and use discount code with wit for $8 off your first order and try your first glass on us. And now back to our chat. Were you bummed when it was over or were you sort of relieved? Do you remember? I think a combination of both. Mm -hmm. I think we waited for a long time to know if it was coming back. Yeah. And we waited and waited. And I think it hinged on the hills. And I think the hills were sort of wavering of like, was that coming back or not coming back? And without the hills, I think this didn't make sense for MTV. I have to be honest, I think evenly split. I was like relieved and I think I was bummed because I thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. I was first like, oh, I can actually have my life back now and producers aren't going to be manipulating me anymore. But then on the other hand, I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do with my life now? When you live in that vacuum, it's sort of hard. My life existed in that and out of that. and. Certainly, I wasn't a central character like you four girls, but I think it was definitely a big part of our world. I think what I loved about the show the most was that I walked away and I learned so much about producing. Mm -hmm. I learned so much about storytelling. I learned so much about reality. I say that, I can't even say it seriously, but you know what I mean? Where like you you walk away and be like, oh my God, they are friggin' kings at what they do because this shit is not easy to do. And the way that the storyline, and I say this to this day, that like, and people don't even realize this but when I say that, you know, that those shows, The Hills and the City, was done without using interviews to link stories together mm -hmm. and explain to a viewer what was being told, that you knew what was going on just from in-scene production. It's such a next-level thing for a lot of people to sort of grasp that yeah. they don't even get that part. It's like any other reality show, you could just set people down for interviews and just like link all the scenes together. 
And it's not lazy like that. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Shout out to like Adam who taught Spike and Bill who taught, you know, me and the rest of the crew. But Mm -hmm. like we couldn't stop shooting a scene until you had the scene. Spike just knew that we had the look from Aaron to Olivia to get us out of the scene Mm -hmm. to tell the viewer oh, Aaron is pissed and she's pissed at Joe too and like do it in a look. And Mm -hmm. like he just knew when we had it and people don't produce shows like that anymore. It's all just interviews with, you'll see someone in scene and then they'll cut to an interview and the person's like, in that moment, I'm thinking like, she's a bitch. Right, right. Because they just got knocked over the head with it. Right. The storytelling was a lot more subtle and difficult. Well, thank you, Joe. This was great. What are you up to now? Oh my gosh. Well, I've been producing a bunch of stuff because it's been so much fun, but I produce a documentary series that's on Netflix called Seven Days Out that is about a love letter to work, but it's really about putting on big events in, in the world. That's amazing. And and I love it so much. Like, it's been critically acclaimed and, and all that stuff. So, And then I have a bunch of other stuff in development, a bunch of like documentary stuff, and then also a scripted show that we just are in the early stages on, but we are in like outline pilot stage. So that's sort of super duper interesting. And then I have been consulting with a media magazine company out in Asia, across all of Asia. So I get to actually find my own Olivia and Aaron out there to torture. Oh my God, amazing. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so I get to fly halfway around the world and do it all over again <laughs> and sort of inspire them to like get at each other and then leave the room. Oh my God, that's so cool. It's awesome that you got into production after all of this. I love it. I mean, I still will do other things that I'm interested in, whatever, but I think there's something about production. I mean, being a magazine editor, I was always a storyteller. So I think production in a way is storytelling too. You know, when I look at documentaries and I'm like, it's so inspiring and it's so well done. And I feel like there is different elements of storytelling that I could also tell in that world as well. So that's been fun. That's great. So awesome. Well, oh, and I had a kid. And you have a kid. <laughs> oh, so oh cute. by the way, during a pandemic, I had a baby. <laughs> well, it was so great to talk to you again. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, we really appreciate as it. As soon as all this stuff is over, we would love to get together. I would love to. I love to. Yeah. I miss you guys. And yeah. send me any parenting tip you have. And I want to see you guys. And we'll do something. Let's do something together soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney Eve Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets.